I had been on a lot of airplanes. I, I always just thought in my head, you know, that pilots were men, that they were commercial pilots, that they flew, you know, big planes all over the world and stuff like that. I never really, you know, thought that people owned private planes. I never knew that you could get a private pilot's license and things like that. And so once I actually did focus on it and kind of got over that little roadblock and self-doubt, um, I got it done within a couple months. Um, and it was definitely, it's been one of my greatest accomplishments in life. I used to say graduating from college was, but this was something that, you know, took me so long. It was just such a great achievement once I was able to finally finish it. Um, and it's just been so empowering and I don't know, I just can't explain it. Just meeting all these other women who fly airplanes and stuff has been really cool and really inspiring to be a part of. Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, support families, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting in the outdoors, my mission is to help you move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Join us here weekly as we talk about fitness and mindset, accountability, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. Okay, we are kicking off yet again another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. And on this episode, I am joined by Danica Baldwin. She is a pilot out of Alaska. In fact, I know her and everybody else knows her as girl.in.alaska on Instagram. She is a total badass and her stories were inspiring about how she got into being a pilot, what inspired that and her evolution into hunting with her now boyfriend Chet in Alaska. This was a fun conversation. It is a quick hitter. So hopefully you have time to enjoy the entire episode today. We also talk a little bit about life's lessons, navigating through anxiety, um, learning to just do things a little bit differently, and some exciting upcoming things that she has going on. I also want to let you know right now we are in the launch of our Hunter Prep program. This is a fitness training program. It is 10 weeks long and it is laser focused to help get you physically and mentally ready for your hunts for this upcoming fall. You can find it in the show notes. We have a direct link to get to it. It is on sale right now. And I will tell you one of the exciting things about getting this 10 week program with dialed in fitness and nutrition information is is that you also get automatically entered in to win a brand new flagship Bowtech bow. So make sure that you jump into the show notes or follow us on social media at Her Inspired Journey or at Her Outdoor Journey to get in on this awesome program, this awesome bow giveaway, and making this year the best hunting season of your life. Let's dive in right now to today's episode. Y'all need this episode, but first a quick word about today's sponsor. Having subpar binoculars can make finding game a real drag. And to be honest, back before I had good optics, I hardly used my glass. I was too frustrated with eye strain, foggy lenses from the Pacific Northwest drizzle, and frustrated that I couldn't see the critters other people in my hunting party could. 
I'll never forget the last day I used my old binoculars on a hunt. I was chasing spring bear in the Oregon rain and I was fighting fogged up lenses, trying to judge the size of the bear I was stalking in on. Fast forward a few months down the road when I was introduced to Maven Optics. I'd never heard of the brand, but was insanely curious after looking through a buddy set on the archery range at the Western Classic in Reading. Maven's glass is fog-proof, waterproof, and scratch-resistant. Not to mention, its edge-to-edge -edge clarity, crisp detail, and low-light transmission are phenomenal. Do yourself a favor and go check out their award-winning glass now at mavenbuilt.com. You can use the code herinspired-gift to get a little something extra at the checkout. It's that time again. Spring has arrived and that means many of us are hitting the woods in search of sheds, turkeys, bears, or just some much needed time outside. Remember, as you get out, ticks will be also. Do yourself and your family a favor by trading your gear with Sawyer's Permethrin Spray. Permethrin will last up to six washes or six weeks. It's odorless, gear safe, and non-toxic. Head to Sawyer.com to stock up now. Well, without further ado, we are introducing another badass guest. Her name is Danica Baldwin. She is known as Girl in Alaska, um, up there kicking ass, having fun, flying all around, doing a lot of fishing. And uh, I'm excited to have you on the show tonight, Danica. Awesome. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. Uh, every time I see a post of yours, uh, I'm always like, how I don't know like it's a combination it's a funky thing like I want to be doing that thing or that looks so cool or oh my gosh how does she get to that place where she's doing that um so could uh -huh. you just give us a little backstory like how did you end up in Alaska up there I know you've been up there a long time but just tell us a little bit more like what is the 30,000 foot view of Danica Baldwin Oh, goodness. Okay, where do I begin? <laughs> um, well, I wasn't born in Alaska. Um, I was actually born in California. Um, but my family moved here when I was pretty young. I was four. So I've pretty much lived here my whole life. It's basically all I know. Um, and I guess I wasn't super into the outdoors or anything when I was younger, like in junior high, high school. I lived in Anchorage, which is a bigger city. So um, I wasn't just, I guess I wasn't really exposed to it much. My parents weren't really into the outdoors, you know, being from California. They were more so beach bums, but um, I didn't really start. I mean, I've always been like an adventurous person. I've always liked to do kind of crazy things. And um, I love to travel and things like that. And so I guess I really didn't start getting into the outdoors until I started dating some guys that were into the outdoors. Um, my ex-boyfriend was really into the outdoors and then my current boyfriend is. And so um, I wouldn't say that, you know, the outdoors is like new to me or anything, but I have really tried to like immerse myself into it within the last few years. Um, and just really trying to like learn more and educate myself more and kind of share my experience with people and share the things that I'm learning. Um, I don't consider myself like an expert in any field. Um, I like to, I guess I do too much of too many things to just be like perfect at one thing. You know, I don't like to just do one thing, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's it. Uh, I really just started getting into it within the last three to four years with my current boyfriend, and um, 
you know, flying and fishing and all of that stuff. He really exposed me to that. He's a fishing and hunting guide. And so it's pretty much his life. And it's just all that we do. You know, we try to get outside whenever we can now. And we live in a small town and it's a small town in Alaska. And, you know, things can get dark and gloomy here. So if you don't get outside, it can be really depressing living here. So we try to get out and do as much as we can and just live the Alaska life. I love it. Well, it sounds like you guys are fully soaking that up. How does that, I mean, you know, so we're, my boyfriend and I, um, he's getting stationed up in Sitka. So starting next month, we're going to be up there. Um, I'll be up there half and half, you know, so I'm like trying to figure out this balance between, you know, like here in Oregon, yes, we get a lot of rain, but we also get a ton of sunshine. Um, So you can really like get out and have favorable conditions for that. How do you deal with like a lot of rain, a lot of gray time, you know, darkness for, you know, some part of the year? What is that like? Do you have to do certain things or plan ahead um, in order to be able to like really be outside and soak that up? Yeah, I think um, I think just here you really have to be prepared for all types of weather. I mean, yes, it could be summer, but it can still be really cold in the summer, you know. Um, So just being prepared for all different types of weather. And then, um, I don't, I don't know, just like making sure that you have the right gear. Um, I think, sorry, let me go back. Um, I, I think too, I personally, I think that I've learned to adapt to, you know, more of like the extreme conditions in Alaska. I would say I used to kind of be a baby when it came to like the cold, but Um, I've learned that having the right gear and stuff like that can really help you in those situations. So when it comes to the rain and stuff, it doesn't really phase us. We still try to get out and do things and not let us stop, not let it stop us because it can rain a lot here, especially in the summer months, which kind of stinks, but you know, it's still fun. It's still, still fun to get out and go fishing and yes, it can kind of stink sometimes, but overall you still have a good time. Well, some of your pictures and videos that you've posted are just truly breathtaking. And I just see some of those places and I'm excited to go up there and explore and adventure. And I can only imagine that other people look in and, you know, maybe they follow you on social or, you know, see other people sharing these bits and pieces of Alaska. It's... I feel like it can be very intimidating for people who want to come up and explore or see what Alaska has to offer. Do you feel like that's mm-hmm. true? And where does somebody start in wanting to go up there? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've heard from numerous people that it can be intimidating to come here. I think the biggest thing that people think when coming here is that it's really expensive. Um, and just getting here can be really expensive, like the cost of travel, um, depending on where you live. So, um, you know, that's the number one thing, the number one complaint that I think. And I, unfortunately, it can be really expensive when you are here. Um, I don't deny that. I don't want to say that it's not super cheap coming here. But um, I think that if you plan ahead and really kind of narrow down the things that you want to do and pay for, um, that can help with the expenses because there's there's really a ton of stuff to do here that is free. Um, also, if you think about that, there's a lot of outdoor things that you can still do. You don't have to hire a guide or go on a tour for like every situation. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they hire a guide maybe because it's easier or 
you know, maybe they'll show them some parts that they might have not seen, but you can do a lot of things on your own here, like hiking and doing some of the glacier views and stuff like that. Um, and just kind of exploring on your own. Awesome. That's a great recommendation. Try to do those things that are free. Yeah. Um, I know that there's yeah, a really good app called okay. All Trails, and uh-huh. I haven't used it up there in Alaska very much, but I know that other places, especially down here in the lower 48, it can be really good to use that um, that specific app because you can get on there and you can filter it down to like camping or kayaking or hiking, mountain biking, you know, dog friendly pr- places or yeah. fishing areas. So sometimes maybe, you know, that app could be a good um, use to figure out some different areas that might not necessarily be known to other people or marked trails, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I actually am new to all trails. Um, I just kind of started using that recently. Um, in the past, I've, you know, I've done a lot of hiking, but it was more so on like the really popular trails, the shorter trails. But this year, I really want to focus on um, some newer trails. And so I've been on the all trails website and I've been trying to use that more. Um, and I really like the reviews on there that people leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that especially here in Alaska, a lot of people will leave like a same day review. Um, the last hike that we did, you know, we were like concerned if there was going to be snow or not and if it was going to be muddy. And we jumped onto that website and there was a girl that just did it yesterday and she left a really nice review really detailed review and so we we were more prepared and kind of had an idea of what to expect before going I really yeah use that website I really do feel like a lot of the users that tap into that resource will leave very detailed, you know, trail yeah. specific things like when to use specific gear, you know, what they yeah. expected. And a lot of times in those higher use areas, you will find uh, the reviews that have been done within like the last 24 hours, if not like mm-hmm. the last week. So that can be very, very helpful. How yeah, do you yeah. how do you guys go out and prepare for running into like game animals like brown bears or black bears up there so i mean i personally like i i have a rifle that my boyfriend bought me for my first hunting experience which i'm sure we'll talk about yeah but i you know i personally am not i've just never been around guns in my life until i met my boyfriend and so um he always carries he always has a bear gun on him when we go out when i go out with my friends um i try to go out with someone who is carrying but if they're not um we have bear spray we have bear bells um we'll bring like a speaker and just try to like make a lot of noise so i mean we're used to i know i'm used to seeing just like loose on the trail and thing, things like that and so that stuff doesn't really freak me out just because i'm used to it they're always in my yard and stuff but Um, You definitely, the number one thing that you want to be cautious of is the bears. And so fortunately, I've never ran into one. Um, But if you don't have a gun, I would definitely recommend getting bear spray and either a bear bell or just like making a lot of noise and playing music. Awesome. Good recommendations to have up there. Yeah. Let's talk about you as a pilot, because that is something another one of my good girlfriends um, recently got her pilot's license and watching that evolution of just like, hey, I think I want to fly to like actually coming to fruition has been amazing. So let's talk about your journey, just kind of when you got that initial spark that you wanted to fly and how that has evolved. 
Yeah, so my journey's kind of been a long one. This is why I, I like to tell everyone, don't give up because, yes, it might take a long time, <laughs> but, you know, you can still accomplish your, your goals and your dreams. And so this is something that, you know, I, again, was never exposed to as a child. Um, when I was younger, we, we did travel a lot, um, just going back and forth to California to visit family. And so I had been on a lot of airplanes. I, I always just thought in my head, you know, that pilots were men, that they were commercial pilots, that they flew, you know, big planes all over the world and stuff like that. I never really, you know, thought that people owned private planes. I never knew that you could get a private pilot's license and things like that. And so I wasn't exposed to that world until I was dating a guy. And, um, initially, you know, I had just wanted to learn how to fly the plane just to be safer. Um, in case anything happened to him while we were flying. And so I had looked into what it took to um, become a pilot and figured out all the requirements. And I like to consider myself pretty book smart. And so I saw there was like a written test and all that. So I got really excited. I studied for that. I took it ahead of time. And when it came time to take the lessons, the actual flight lessons, it was like way harder than I had anticipated. There's a lot that's going on inside the plane. It's really overwhelming. Um, you know, safety is always on your mind and stuff like that in emergency situations. And so um, once I got into the actual lesson side of it, I kind of hit a roadblock and wasn't really sure if this is something that I could do. Um, there was a point in time where I wasn't able to like land the plane safely by myself or with the instructor even. I was just kind of all over the place. And I stopped flying actually for a couple of years and got into a new relationship. And I kind of thought, honestly, I wouldn't fly again. And um, started dating my current boyfriend who's also a pilot and he kind of got me back into it. And switched things up. I got a new instructor and I don't know, he and I just kind of clicked. And so, um, he was able to teach me how to land in a way where I felt comfortable and I felt safe. And just one day it just clicked and I was just able to land the plane. And I just kind of took off from there. I, I uh, started flying a lot more consistently, started getting more hours and just, you know, kind of crossing off all the requirements that you have to do. Um, and so once I actually did focus on it and kind of got over that little roadblock and self-doubt, um, I got it done within a couple months. Um, and it was definitely, it's been one of my greatest accomplishments in life. I used to say graduating from college was, but this was something that, you know, took me so long. It was just such a great achievement once I was able to finally finish it. Um, and it's just been so empowering and I don't know. I just can't explain it. Just meeting all these other women who fly airplanes and stuff. has been really cool and really inspiring to be a part of. I think sometimes those like prolonged experiences or journeys where we kind of like, we're kind of in, then we're kind of out, then we're kind of in, um, they have a way of teaching us deeper lessons about ourselves. Do you feel like that was true in this experience? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. What were those things that kind of were uncovered through this process? I think I, I, I don't, I guess I just have a, a greater appreciation for it now. Um, I guess maybe I wasn't just, I, I wasn't like serious enough at first. And so once I, once I finally did do it and once I realized like, you know, this is something you can do. Wow, this is something you're actually good at. You know, it was just very empowering. Which yeah. Is like the, the, 
the best word I can use to describe it. Remember what I was saying about prepping your gear with permethrin before heading out to explore? Well, don't worry. Even if you forget to spray down your gear ahead of time, you can always use Sawyer's Picaridin Lotion or spray for family-safe insect repellent in the field. Swing over to Sawyer.com and see their full line of insect repellents today. Did you know that Maven Optics offers customization on binoculars, spotting scopes, and rifle scopes? Make your class one of a kind and build your custom optics now. Head to mavenbuilt.com and play around with a custom optic builder. Their consumer direct approach means you get premium glass at a fraction of the cost and your investment is always protected with a lifetime, no questions warranty. Check out mavenbuilt.com now. I don't fly much. Um, I do for work here and there, but I certainly don't fly in private planes or small planes like you guys do. I can only yes. imagine though that just being able to do that, but also to be able to have those experiences, like the things that you get to see, the views that you have, the places you can go are just absolutely amazing. I would love to hear like what has been your favorite, maybe emotional, maybe just deepest connection with a flight that you've had. Um, so I've told this story before. I, I would have to say like my most emotional flight was, um, when you get your pilot's license, there's certain requirements. And one of the requirements is that you have to fly, um, for a total distance of 150 nautical miles or greater. And when you do it, you have to make a couple stops at a few airports in between. And so it's like a really big step in your flying journey. You're kind of like a, you know, leaving big big a little fish in a big pond I guess you're you're leaving your home airport and you're going to these unfamiliar airports and it's a little intimidating a little scary and so I did it and I went to the first airport was super excited really proud of myself went to the second airport and the second airport it was a lot harder to get to I had to go through like a mountain range over a lake so if my engine was to die or anything was to happen I really didn't have any place to safely land and so when you're in those types of situations, you want to make sure that you go at a high enough altitude that if you know, something were to happen, you could give yourself the farthest gliding distance possible. So um, once I got through the mountain pass on my way back, I had already went through it. So on my way back and I could kind of see like my home airport in the distance, I just like had this rush of emotions come over me and I just started crying mm. um and it was just I don't know it was like a sense of achievement um I was happy that I like made it through safe you know I, I could see my home in the distance and it just was like a huge sense of accomplishment it was, it was just a really great feeling I love it I wish you could bottle those kind of emotions up you know yeah. and then every once yeah. in a while when things aren't going great you could just like take a little Sprinkle sip of that yeah <laughs> exactly that would be awesome well that's yeah. so cool I can only imagine you will continue to see amazing things um and I know from just a little brief like backstory from you you've also had some experiences that probably put the fear of God in you do you want to talk a little bit about those or any lessons that you may have learned through that process yeah, yeah. I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned um, 
that I've learned, one of one of the things that you learn about um, when flying is um, like external factors, external pressures. Um, and so just like an example of that, you know, when I was younger, I, I would get upset whenever our flights were delayed or our flights got canceled due to weather and things like that. And now that I'm a pilot and I know the effect that the weather can have on the plane and the risk to your safety and everything, it's just, it's not worth it. And so I understand that more. Well, I learned a really good lesson on a flight one time that we had taken. Um, we were trying to get to our cabin and so the, the pressure of just wanting to get there, you know, it kind of makes you do some dumb things sometimes. And so we went in when the weather wasn't so bad, wasn't very good, um, I should say. And um, it kind of created a situation where it wasn't safe to fly. And so, um, you know, we kind of learned in the end, we probably shouldn't have tried to push it and go because we were risking our lives. And Fortunately, you know, we made it back safely, but there was a scary moment there where it was just a complete whiteout. We couldn't see anything underneath us and we were headed towards the mountains. And so we made the decision to just turn around because we just couldn't see anything and we couldn't see a hole to get down through the clouds. And we don't have the type of licenses that allows us to fly into the clouds. We have to be able to see the ground at all times with the license that we have. So. It was a little scary situation, a little scary moment, just because we don't, you know, we're not trained what to do in those moments. Um, so fortunately, we, you know, we did turn around and we flew back and eventually we did find a, an opening that we were able to get down and land safely and get home. And we canceled the trip to the cabin that weekend. <laughs> yeah, sounds like that is not a good situation to be in. And honestly, yeah, it was a little scary for sure. I could only like sitting here listening to that and reading what you you know wrote to me before we started mm -hmm. recording like that would give me so much anxiety and I know that you graciously had mentioned to me earlier that you are somebody who's fairly high strung if you will you know you have anxiety issues and I just want to uh, openly say that's something that is pretty new for me and I've been having anxiety lately that I don't typically have um, yeah. to the degree where it's almost debilitating. Um, it is mm -hmm. situational with um, some circumstances right now but for those listening who may also be experiencing um, anxiety can you talk through that a little bit about, you know, what your process has been, anything that you have found that is insightful for helping you kind of get through those not so great moments? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's one of the reasons why I like to get outside as much as I do. You know, it really gives you a chance to clear your mind and I, there's just something about fresh air that's just like good for your body. And so, I mean, I know when I get anxious, that's one of the things that I try to do is just either get outside or do something positive, read a book or, you know, call a friend or something like that. Um, it depends on how severe it is, you know. Um, I think just with the situation that our world's in today, I think it's caused a lot of people to become more anxious. And um, I think the biggest thing, too, is just being able to talk about it and just being open about it and being open about it with the people that you live with and, you know, letting them understand that you're going through something and it's a periodic thing and, you know, being open to them, helping you get through it. 
for sure. And the outdoors does really play a huge role. Um, and I think combating or burning some of that stress, you know, if, of course, if yeah. you can physically get out there and move your body, not just be out there, it's even more of a bonus, you know, because that does physiologically allow you to burn the stress that's, you know, building up inside of you. Um, and I was talking to a girlfriend of mine this morning on the phone and we were talking about this specific topic and kind of my situation right now. And I said, it's funny because I feel like I'm in a specific time of my life where in like one breath, I'm saying to myself, like, you're not guaranteed the next 25 minutes. So just deal yeah. with right now at the other, like in the other breath, I'm also like trying to you know, as an entrepreneur, as a parent, as a, you know, somebody who is very driven by goals, I'm also looking at like this year, five years, 10 years from now. So I think yeah. sometimes it can be really tricky to not get stuck in this place of like looking too far ahead, because yeah. that can almost get overwhelming to you. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you and somebody? It's just changed so quickly too, you know, it, it is good to plan ahead that far, but just be able to give yourself grace and know that like the plan might not always work out that way and maybe it'll lead to a better plan. Absolutely. I could not have said it better myself. So talking about a better plan, you drew a goat tag in Alaska. I let's, let's, I want to hear about that. But first, before we hear about that, um, I want to hear about your very first big game hunting experience, this moose hunt of yours and how that went down. Yeah. Um, so another situation where I drew a tag, I drew an eagle tag. It was in 2019 is when the hunt was. Um, and it was, it's, it was the third time I had been hunting with Chet. Um, I said earlier, Chet's a hunting guide. And so, um, he, you know, he gets really busy with his own moose hunters. So I, I really felt like I wasn't going to get the opportunity to go on a moose hunt with him so soon. Um, and so when I drew the tag, it was just a, a perfect opportunity for him to be able to take me out. So he took a week off of work to take me and we, we brought a friend so that he could help us pack out the meat. And um, it was an eight day hunt. Um, and we got down to the last legal day that we could shoot. Um, and it, it, uh, it was kind of a weird year. It had been really hot out for the month of September. Normally it's a lot colder where we hunt at. And so the moose weren't as active. Um, they were kind of bedding down and just kind of staying in the shade. And so it was really hard to find one, but, um, last legal day, we eventually spotted one from the top of the mountain and, kind of ran down as fast as we could and we have a boat over there as well so we jumped in the boat and hauled butt down the river to where we thought it was and we we had found it and we kind of spooked it and so it, it took off and it was with um another moose and they both took off running and so we're like chasing it down this river and eventually we get ahead of it um and we pulled over real fast got to the shore and i jumped out and my boyfriend handed me my rifle and uh, he had had me lean up against this really large tree and the moose just kind of walked right into my view and I, I got it in one shot. It was a really cool experience. It was my, my first large animal, actually first animal that I shot, I should say. What were the emotions? I mean, did you experience emotions? Does it all just happen so fast? You had a hard oh time or like, yeah, I, um, I was so nervous. I put a lot of pressure on myself. 
um, you know, my boyfriend's like a pro at this, so I wanted to do good. I wanted to impress him. I wanted to make sure that we got meat for everyone. You know, we've been out there for eight freaking days. We were tired. We were so ready to go home, and we finally spot one, and just all this pressure on little old me, my first hunt, you know, but um, it, it was definitely, it was a crazy experience. I can't explain the feeling. Very exhilarating. How did it feel to take the life of something? Um, you know, we, I, I, that's one thing that I like about my boyfriend. He has a huge respect for animals. He doesn't try to overhunt his areas. And so, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still new to this. So he definitely teaches me all about, um, you know, making sure that the animal doesn't suffer and just making sure that we take all the meat and how to properly care for it. And so I, um, you know, I value their life, but they, you know, we're using this meat also to feed our families and it wasn't out just to get the antlers. It was really there for the meat. So awesome. Good. Yeah, no, that's a super satisfying feeling to be able to harvest something, bring it home, you know, full, yes, full on yeah, circle. Awesome. We, you know, we were still eating the moose meat from that moose this um, last winter. That's awesome. So now you're going goat hunting. So you put in for a tag. It sounds like your boyfriend has been putting in for quite a while and hasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. drawn that. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, he's been hunting since he was little and I'm over here like drawing tags left and right. <laughs> um yeah i i drew a goat tag it's actually in a pretty cool location i don't want to say it's an easy location but it's definitely um it's going to be an easier spot um it's have you heard of homer i have yep okay so we'll take a boat out of homer it's um a little area called sadie cove and it's just right outside the bay i mean it's probably like a 30 minute boat ride um, and so we'll probably camp on the boat and stuff and then go out and hike each day. Um, and I drew a goat tag and also my boyfriend's, uh, one of his really close friends did the guy who actually owns the boat. So we're both going to go together. Um, it's his boat, so he's going to shoot first, but, um, you know, I'm hopeful that I get one too. So do you feel like there's any physical preparation going into this kind of a hunt or has your boyfriend given you any kind of heads up as to things you may want to look out for or work towards? Yes, definitely. He's always getting on my butt about running and just, you know, getting into shape for hunts. And recently we did a lot of shed hunting and we were out hiking for like five to 10 miles a day just through straight brush. It was so hard, so physically demanding. And so um, I definitely see the importance of preparing for this kind of, you know, this kind of adventure and this kind of hunting, um, especially for goats, you know, it's going to be mountain goats. So we're going to be hiking up in the mountains and on cliff sides and things like that. So I definitely want to make sure that I'm prepared physically, mentally. Um, and so I will definitely be training. I was actually working with a personal trainer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tana Grenda. Absolutely. Heck yeah. 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 <laughs> so I was working with Tana um, since last fall, I believe, and um, recently stopped with her. But she definitely taught me so much about nutrition and pre- preparation for hunts and things like that. So she equipped me with all the right tools and 
ready to put it into action. <laughs> she is a wealth of knowledge on top of being a complete badass. And I have yes. loved watching her, just her whole life evolve over the last several years. You know, she's now got five kiddos and they are yeah. still just rocking and rolling. Just, I mean, living the life. Yeah, she is awesome. Yeah, I admire her so much. There is absolutely a level of physical and mental preparedness that is so important for any mountain hunting um, or any hunting I, I think mostly in the western states specifically but Alaska is no joke and those goats live in some pretty precarious uh, environments and terrain so I have no doubt you'll be prepared but yeah that is one it's actually my biggest bucket list hunt is mountain goat hunting um, oh, I, really? Yeah, with with a bow. I want to go out there and shoot one with my bow. There's other hunts on my on my target list, but that is one that just sits right up there. I just think they're incredibly beautiful and curious, yeah. just cool animals. So good luck on that hunt. I hope you have Thank a ton you. of fun. I'm super excited But I'll be doing that in October. I also have to note, you said a very trigger word for me, which is shed hunting. <laughs> I love shed hunting. So walk me through that. What did you guys find? How did it go? Was it a very like rich environment for finding sheds? This is my first year going. Um, last year, my, my boyfriend went out and I, I don't know, I just didn't, I wasn't into it. And this year um, he got me into it. So, you know, we fly kind of out to some remote areas and, um, we try to, you know, mark them from the air and then go land and then find them on foot. And so we've been, you know, we've had a lot of luck. We've got quite a few. Um, I was actually going to share a picture next week of one that we got. But yeah, it's a really cool experience. It's just crazy to me to like see something from the air and then we go and we hike for just miles and we'll walk like right up to it. It's just nuts. <laughs> Another cool part, uh, which I, you know, you you find one, and then you're like, okay, well, where's where's the other side? Yeah. So when you do find the other side, that is even cooler. Absolutely, matching them up is not always easy. Um, in any area here in the Pacific Northwest, it's especially hard because it's just so thick. There's a lot of underbrush, but mm -hmm. I'm curious to know from the air when you guys are finding these sheds, do you use any kind of GPS or any kind of indicator to like pin where you think that they're going to be once you do get on the ground? Yeah. Yep. So you can just pin them on a GPS. Exactly. Well, I'm going to have to do that at some point because I am like <laughs> shed hunting obsessed and that would just be like next level shed hunting obsession. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty epic. Awesome. Um, you just want to be careful when you go out, especially where we live. There's a lot of like state refuge land and just places where you can't legally land. Um, so that's the hard part, too, out here is just like finding a good spot where you can land that's actually like close to some of the sheds to where you're not having to just like hike for days to get to it. That is one of the nice things about down here in Oregon. It is, you know, always been logged. There's tons of access roads. Um, Oregon by nature just has a bunch of areas that you can get into. So, mm -hmm. you know, unlike Alaska, which is you know, there are not roads. And I remember hearing that before I ever visited Alaska. Um, mm -hmm. And then once I got there, I was like, it is, it's just, it's wilderness. It's just, yeah. it goes on and on and on without really access unless you have a plane, um, which is why I feel like now I'm getting to know a lot more people that live in Alaska are also pilots and have a plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really is a way of life here. And it, 
you know, it open, opens it up to where you, you can explore more and do more because we do only have, you know, one main road system. We have one highway. That's it. It's one long road. And so it's, you know, not hard to get lost, but if you want to go anywhere, it takes a really long time to get there. Um, and so having the airplane just makes it super convenient. It allows you to land in remote areas and on beaches and sandy gravel bars and things like that. And kind of opens it up to where you can fish and hunt in places that aren't overfished and hunted, you yeah. know, off the main roads. Yeah. So. Which is an absolute treat to be able to be in an area that, you know, for the most part has what you're going after as far as the critters go, but not a bunch of people out there, you know, with, with yeah. quick access to things, which is great. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's nice in the winter, too, because we have a lot of lakes here. Um, so, you know, you can land on the lakes and it kind of makes it a little safer when you're flying in the winter. It just gives you more other places to land in case your engine fails or something. Sure. Absolutely. I think, um, so talking to Dustin, my boyfriend the other day, he said, um, and moving up to Sitka, I think there's like 14 miles of roads up there. I'm like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) this is going to be a little bit of a transition, but yeah, I was wondering why you're going to Sitka. That's going to be a really cool experience. I've never, you know, just never had a reason to visit there. It's pretty far from where I live. It's, um, a, a lot more Eastern from where I live, but, um, I'm excited for you. That's going to be a really cool experience. Well, I'll definitely keep you and everybody else posted on how it goes. We're excited just to get out there. Um, We did get a boat, so we're going to be doing lots of fishing ourselves and um, just excited to get the boys up there. They have not yet been to Alaska, um, but they are outdoorsy through and through. So they're going to have a lot of fun just catching fish and experiencing, I mean, the the true richness of Alaska for sure. So awesome. Well, what's coming up for you? Any cool projects or any adventures? Um, We've got a a pretty fun fishing trip that we're going to be taking in June um, off a river that's kind of in in a remote village. So you know, another cool place that's kind of harder to get to. Um, so we're going to have a big fishing trip then, like goat hunt. Um, I think just our fishing season in general is pretty exciting. It's like, you know, three or four months of just nonstop fishing. So pretty excited for that. What's your favorite thing to catch? Um, hmm, that's tough. I, I like fishing on the ocean personally better. I just, I get seasick a lot, so it's just kind of hard for me. Um, I like to catch halibut and lingcod. Um, and then I, I do like salmon fishing as well. Um, I guess I would, I would say I like stuff with a little more action. So I like silver salmon fishing versus like king salmon fishing where you mm-hmm. just kind of sit there. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. You know, the action is good. The kids are the same way. Yeah. And I think, you know, fishing is a lot of fun if you can just go out there and, and let your mind just kind of go. But there are moments yeah. where you're like, I just want to be reeling in fish. Mm-hmm. There's definitely days where, you know, we go out and it's just dead, you yeah. know? And yeah. So it it can get a little boring sometimes. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you have a fun summer plan, lots of good adventures. I know one thing that you said when I was uh, talking to you originally was, you know, you all like you're just always looking for the next adventure, you know, fun people, good times, that kind of thing. I can totally relate with that. I'm always looking for like, what is this this next thing I haven't done or tried or been a part of? So I feel that for sure. Um, If people want to connect with you, see what you're doing and all the things you have going on where can they find you 
Um, so I'm primarily on Instagram. So you can find me at girl.in.alaska. Um, and I do have a YouTube page. I just don't ever really post to it too much, but definitely on Instagram. Um, and then I also have a website. It's called girlinalaska.com. Um, I haven't updated it recently, but I am going to be updating it here soon uh, with a lot of helpful information on traveling to Alaska. So that's my goal. I love it. Well, we'll definitely keep our finger on the pulse for that one and make sure that we can get people those resources because I know so many people reach out um, to myself and to other friends, just like, how do I get up there? How do I travel? How do I do these Mm -hmm. things that look so awesome? So I will push them your way for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks again, Danica, for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I hope that someday before too long, our paths cross and we're on our own epic adventure together. I hope so too. Thank you, Courtney. I appreciate it. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.